0: When you're building a book of business, it is very similar to building a house. I don't know if you've ever built a house before, but there is a lot that goes into building a house. I can tell you because I built my house. Well, I didn't build it. We actually hired a contractor to do it, but it was a long, drawn-out process. And you know what? Building a book of business for an insurance producer is very similar to having a house built. In fact, we're going to talk about what it is that you need to do in order to build a $1 million or more book of business. There are five main things that you need to do in order to build that book. That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode on the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. What's up, Permission Nation? My name is Charles Specht, and I teach insurance agents how to quote less, win more often, and build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. Whether you're a brand new producer just starting out or you've been grinding it out year after year, you're in the right place to learn how to grow your book. I teach insurance producers my step-by-step 12x framework that helps you get the incumbent agent fired and you hired. After all, why waste time quoting when you can win with one signature if you're looking for a proven system to help you 12x your book of business then visit my website at www.12x.club to see how it's done otherwise kick back turn up the volume and remember quoting is for the week this is the millionaire insurance producer podcast Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. My name is Charles Specht, and I am your host. And today, we're going to be talking about what it takes to build a million-dollar book of business like it's building a house. There are five things. In fact, there are a, a lot of different things that I talk about when it comes to training insurance agents on how to sell insurance. But I actually have put together what I call my Permission Sales Framework. And it is a five-part framework that is very similar to building a house. There's actually seven things that I teach over the course of the year, but there are five directly associated with finding and selling and prospecting, selling new business. The other two, number six and seven, they deal with providing service to the insured over the course of the year, and then what to do once you are coming up on the renewal for your client. But there are five things that really we focus on when it comes to selling insurance. And they are this, pre-prospecting, prospecting, prospecting, first appointment, pre-proposal, proposal. Those five things. Those main five things have a lot of different things that we do underneath those headings, but those are the five main things. That is, everything you're doing before you prospect, then when you do your prospecting, then you set the appointment, and what do you do when you're at the first appointment? Then what do you do in the pre-proposal stage? That is, what do you do during that time after you've met with the insured, but before you actually come with your proposal? And then the fifth one, you have your presentation, you have your quotes, you're sitting down with the insured, what is it that you say or don't do during that presentation? The proposal stage. I actually liken this permission sales framework to building a house. And what we're going to do here on this particular episode is we're going to talk about these five things. And then on upcoming episodes, I am going to be breaking those down sort of one by one and step by step so that you, my friends, my loyal listeners will be able to know how to build a $1 million or more book of business. And so those five things, pre-prospecting, prospecting, prospecting, first appointment, pre-proposal, proposal, the five things are kind of like building a house and this might help you to remember it. The first thing about building a house is that you have to lay the foundation you have to lay the foundation. The second thing is that you build the structure. The third thing maybe is that you paint the walls. That is the decoration. The fourth thing, the final walkthrough. The fifth thing, you get the keys. These are the ways that I can remember how building a book of business is like building a house. The pre-prospecting is laying the foundation. When you're actually doing the hard work of the prospecting, that's building the structure. When you're sitting down at the insured's location during the first appointment, that's painting the walls. That's actually putting in all the nice details and making things every everything look beautiful. The fourth part, which is the pre-proposal, that's kind of like the final walkthrough. You, the house isn't yours yet, but it's almost done. And then the final part, when you're actually going over your quotes, your proposal, that's where we're working on getting the keys. Those five things. Lay the foundation, build the structure, paint the walls, Final walkthrough, get the keys. I wonder, Mr. Mrs. Miss Insurance Producer, I wonder which of those five you struggle with. Go ahead. Think about it. I'll wait. I know that you probably struggle with one of those. Maybe you struggle with two. Maybe you struggle with three. In fact, there are a number of different sub points under each of those five where, frankly, if we struggle, we're going to have a hard time with our sales funnel. All the prospects that you place into your sales funnel, they go in the top. You know this. They go into the top, and then those prospects work their way down through the funnel, and whatever comes out at the bottom, that's a new client. Unfortunately, a lot of problems happen on the way to becoming a new client. There are things in which cause the insured to not want to do business with you. You don't come across right. You don't build rapport. You don't put together a good submission. You don't send it out to the right carriers. You don't have a good relationship with the underwriters. You haven't found enough significant problems in the relationship with the incumbent agent. There are no problems in the current policy or the plan. Maybe your branding or your scripting isn't quite right, and so you're not able to set a number of appointments. There are very many reasons why we might struggle as insurance agents to set appointments, to win signed broker of record letters, to win in a quoting process, to transfer a prospect into a loyal commission-paying client. We all struggle with them. But I do believe that there's a lot of different things that you can do to stop the process, get rid of these hurdles, and then end up having the kind of success that you want. I know that you are an insurance producer who wants to sell. You want to do well. You want to actually get a lot of new clients. I get it. I know it. And you're probably also one of those people that say, if I could just get more at-bats, if I could set up more appointments with these various prospects, I could probably get more broker of record letters. I would win more accounts. I get it. Prospecting's hard, it's hard work. Prospecting separates the men from the boys, prospecting separates the pros from the amateurs. You're either good at it or you're not. You can get better, but if you can't get really good at setting appointments, you'll starve, you'll starve, you'll get fired. We have to be able to overcome these particular problems. If you can't overcome these problems, I'm not quite sure exactly what you're going to be able to do because these things are absolutely important. And so let's kind of break them down a little bit. Pre-prospecting. This is usually one of the things, my friends, that insurance agents and agency owners hire me for because they don't know exactly even where to begin. When we talk about pre-prospecting, I break it down into three kind of like main aspects here. The micro niche selection, which is the first sub point, branding and scripting, which is the second one, and then the creation of your 12-month timeline of services. Most agents don't even know what to actually go after. Most agents have no idea what to prospect. Do you? Do you have a micro niche selection? Have you actually gone through the process of trying to figure out what is going to be the best opportunity for you or not? Most agents have not. Most agents wonder about it. Most agency a, agency principals and owners, agencies overall, do a poor job at helping their producers figure out what to go after. It's just sort of the nature of the business. Unfortunately, that's just the way that the insurance industry is set up. They hire a producer. They say, go to town. You got three months to substantiate your existence. If you don't sell anything in those three months, I'm going to fire you, or I'm going to reduce your, your commission, your draw, whatever. That's just sad. It's sad to be able to hire all these people and then not really give them the resources to be able to succeed. How can you figure out what is the type of industry that you should be going after? Well, I actually feel like there's a number of different ways in which to figure it out. It's not too challenging. There are a few different things, such as just contacting your insurance carriers to see what they want to write. Is this rocket science? No, it's not. But it feels like brain surgery at times. It feels like somebody's just picking and gnawing at our brains. Why? Because we're not doing these things. We're sort of just thinking, well, what could I write? Oh, I guess uh, somebody filled out something on my website. And I guess that might be a really hot lead. Is it? Is that the kind of business that you want to go after? Uh, is that the size? I mean, those dollars that are trickling in, is that really what you want to build your book or your agency on? I don't know. I would suspect probably not, at least certainly not, if you're a producer, because you're not going to make any money that way. But micro-niche selection. It's what separates the men from the boys. This is laying the foundation. If you don't even know what to call on, you don't know how to put together the foundation to build a house. You're going to have a shaky house. If you are not laying a strong, solid foundation, you're building your house on sand. You're building your house on sand. The second part of that prospecting is the branding and the scripting. Once you know what kind of micro niche that you're going to go after, what then are you going to say to these people? What then is your messaging? What's your cold call carrot? What's that C3? What are you going to say to them when you make a telephone call and you're calling them on a cold call? How about on an email? You reach out to them on social media, what are you going to say? You decide to do a drop-in visit on them unannounced at their place of business, what are you going to say to the receptionist? What are you going to say to the business owner? What exactly is your primary offer? If I can put it to you a different way, why would the insured want to fire their agent and hire you? If you don't know the answer to that question, why should I fire my agent and hire you? I would suspect you probably have a hard time putting together a significant number of appointments each year. And if nothing else, you probably have a hard time on translating that on why they should do business with you. Because if you don't really know the answer, then quite likely it's a little bit more of a commodity. Branding and scripting, so very, very important. The third sub-point there is a the 12-month timeline of services. I mean, the 12-month timeline of services, hands down, is what my clients tell me get more signed broker of record letters for them than anything else. And I just know this to be the truth. A, a 12-month timeline of services is something that is written down on a piece of paper. It's black in black and white. It shows the prospect what you are going to do for them over the course of the 12 months if they were to do business with you. In the plan, the policy, whatever it is, what will you offer to them? Who will do it? And what kind of services or expectations from those services can they can they receive? Are they going to have lower claims? Are they going to have a more safe environment? Are their employees going to have less fraud? What exactly is it that you're providing to them in regards to services? You know, if you're just saying, well, I'm I'm not really sure we bind the policy, but what else do we do? Not really too much. They need a, a change in auto cards. We can do that. I mean, they need a certificate of insurance. We can process that, but we don't really do too much more. Really? I think you can do a lot more. You can probably do a ton more, but are you willing to actually do the work? Are you willing to sit down and sort of outline what it is that we can provide for our specific micro niche selection? I mean, look, if you were to go after truckers or furniture stores or contractors or whatever, you decide what you're going to go after. Restaurants, I don't care. Whatever it is, there's a number of things that you could do that are both insurance-related and non-insurance-related that would provide a tremendous amount of value to these people. you got to figure it out because when you show them the 12-month timeline of services, it actually transitions so beautifully. Listen to me. It transitions so beautifully into the broker of record letter conversation. Once you are able to show them what you're gonna do for them, then it's just a matter of transferring the conversation. Bob, are these the services you would want from me and my agency going forward if we were to become your agent today? They are? Great. That's when you then start the broker of record letter conversation. This is laying the foundation, folks. This is laying the foundation. If you don't have the foundation laid And you're just starting to build the structure. You're just starting to make phone calls. I mean, that's kind of weird. Who wants to build a house to start building walls on no kind of a foundation? That thing's not going to last. It's not going to stand. Similarly, when you try to start prospecting, but you don't really have these things figured out, you're going to be spinning your wheels. Strike out, strike out, strike out, miss, nonstop. You're not going to be actually making contact on anything. And so we got to be smarter than that. we got to be pros, not amateurs. Amateurs don't build a large book of business. Amateurs stay in the business for a little bit and then they get out because they felt, oh, insurance isn't for me. Well, that's because they're amateurs and they're not doing the work. But that's not you. That's not why you're listening to the Millionaire Insurance Producer podcast. That's not why that's not why you are out there trying to figure out how to make money for your family and put your kids through college and all that. You want to succeed. I know you do. I know you want to succeed. But you got to do the work. Micro niche selection, branding and scripting, 12-month time on the services, you need some help, let me know. I'll try to help you. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. So don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. And by the way, tell them Charles sent you. The second one, building the structure. Once the foundation is set, once the foundation is set, let's build the structure. This is prospecting. Where this comes into play is your weekly prospecting calendar. We got to put together a weekly prospecting calendar. If we don't plan to prospect, prospect won't happen. Prospecting won't happen. It doesn't. You know this as well as I do. Nobody loves to prospect. Why? Because you're going to get rejection every once in a while, or a lot. Nobody likes to be rejected. And so very often, people aren't prospecting because they don't like rejection. But we have to plan to prospect. Otherwise, it will get moved out. It will get pushed out. It just automatically does. So we have to have a weekly prospecting calendar. The second aspect to this is that when we're doing our prospecting, we got to be able to figure out how to get past a gatekeeper. That's the that's the second sub point here. Getting past the gatekeeper. There's two what I would call theories or you know lines of thought in regards to prospecting. Can you prospect on accounts that tend to not have a gatekeeper? If you can do that, I would suspect you're going to have much more success. Or can you prospect in platforms where you get to bypass the gatekeeper, such as if you get the decision maker's email and you can email the decision maker directly, that's a whole lot better than making a telephone call to the main office number and talking to a receptionist. Can you prospect on somebody's social media so that you get a chance to interact with them personally? Can you prospect in such a way as maybe going to networking events and talk to the business owners directly? If you can do those sorts of things, you're going to have a much better process. Maybe you get the, the owner's cell phone number. Or if you're calling on businesses that, well, frankly, they might be smaller, maybe not, but you're calling on businesses where the owner tends to answer the telephone, right? I would call like sort of small to small, medium sized uh, construction accounts. Very often, the owner is the one who's doing all that. And so many times you can get the owner. But if you're calling on a manufacturing account, you're calling on a law firm, you're calling on a furniture store, you're calling on a hotel, something like that, you're going to get somebody else who answers the telephone, and that's a gatekeeper. Can you figure out how to get past a gatekeeper? Do you personally struggle with getting past a gatekeeper? There are a number of things that I teach about how to get past a gatekeeper, but we have to decide what kind of business we're going after, all the way back to laying the foundation, the micro niche selection. If you struggle with getting past gatekeepers, then please choose a different micro niche. Did you hear me? If you're going after a class of business that generally has a gatekeeper, but you are unwilling or unable to prospect in a way that can bypass a gatekeeper, then I would just tell you, Find something else to call on. Find something else to call on. If you can't get past gatekeepers, you're going to starve. I don't want you to starve. I want you to have success. But you can't have success if you can't figure out how to get past gatekeepers or to bypass a gatekeeper. That's why prospecting is a challenge. That's why it's the second subpoint in this second point. The third one here is the fortunes in the follow up. Remember, the first subpoint was creating that weekly prospecting calendar where we're going to prospect. As important as that is, it's not as important as follow-up. The fortune is in the follow-up. How you're following up on your prospects is so much more important than just the initial even contact because most of the time you're not actually talking to a decision maker on the initial point of contact. You might make a telephone call the first time, but maybe it's an email, it's a social media, it's a walk-in visit, it's the fifth time you reach out to that person when you finally get them on the phone or you connect. So the follow-up is so important. You know what? I'm just telling you, most insurance agents do a terrible job at follow-up. We do. Because most insurance agents and agencies don't have a CRM service, there's nothing that actually tracks what's going on in the prospecting, and most agents are just kind of winging it. They try to make a phone call, they might make a telephone call, but they're just sort of prospecting the same way over and over, or they don't prospect often enough on the same accounts, and so they don't get the results that they want. We have to actually just focus on follow-up. The fortune is in focused follow-up. I like that. The fortune is in the follow-up. The third one, in regards to building a house, you like you got to start painting the walls at some point, right? You build the foundation. You build the structure. You lay the foundation. Build the structure. Now you got to put in the nice hardwood floors. Now you paint the the beautiful colors on the walls. You got all the trim. You have all the nice things so that this place looks like it's coming together, right? That's what this is. And this one is the first appointment. You did all the hard work up front. Now you finally get a chance to sit down face-to-face virtually on the telephone, whatever it is. It always works better face-to-face, by the way. If you can meet face-to-face with your prospects, you are going to sell more insurance. But you got to paint the walls. Everybody likes to look at the paint. What's the color on the walls? That's what people see when they actually start to go and look around at different homes. Oh, I like the paint color. I don't like the paint over here. And so some people won't even buy a house if they don't like the paint color. Paint's important. That's why I talk about it in regards to the first appointment. You're finally sitting down with your prospect, Bob, for the first time. What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you there's at least three things you need to do here. You need to uncover some pains and problems. Pains and problems. Pains and problems with their industry, pains and problems with their business, pains and problems in the insurance program, pains and problems with the incumbent agent, the servicing team at the agency, pains and problems in the policy or the plan, final audits, whatever. If you can't find problems, you're not going to win. If you can't find pain, you can't fix it. And therefore you can't win because if you can't find problems, they don't need you because maybe the other agent is doing a great job. Just because somebody meets with you, by the way, doesn't mean they're a good prospect. Just because they meet with you doesn't mean it's a great opportunity. It's a good start doesn't mean it's a great start. So we got to be able to uncover those pains and problems. That's what I help people do. Then we got to lead that conversation into the broker of record letter conversation. You know that I focus a lot on broker of record letters. That's why I have BrokerOfRecordLetter.com. That's why I have AgentOfRecordLetter.com. Because I focus so much time on it. Why? Because it just makes more sense. That's what the insurance buyer wants at the end of the day, even if they don't know how to define it. They want to be able to trust one agent and work with one agent. They don't want to have to waste time doing this. They just don't know how to trust you. That's the problem. It's like when you're speaking the insurance language, they don't get it because they're speaking French. And you're speaking insurance, and they don't understand it. They don't know why you're better, why you're different, what you have to offer, and so forth. We have to be able to do all of these things to get the insured to understand why they should fire their other agent and hire us. Because at the end of the day, if you can't get your prospect to fire their agent, you will never get hired. Do I need to say it again? If you can't get the other agent fired, you can't get hired. You will never get a client unless you're only ever working on accounts who are going into business for the first time. And I can tell you, that's not the type of an account I think you want to write. The third sub-point here in regards to painting the walls is setting the rules of the game, setting the rules of the quoting game, quoting whether or not you get the BOR, because frankly, if someone gives you the broker of record letter, I'm going out to the marketplace on their behalf. I am going to leave no stone unturned. I'm going out to all the carriers. We're going to see exactly who out there wants to write this business. I'm going to let the incumbent underwriter know that they're going to have some competition this year. Love to be able to keep it with them. Want to do what I can to keep it with the incumbent agent, or rather the incumbent carrier, but the underwriter is going to have to sharpen his or her pencil because I'm going to go out to the marketplace. If the insurance buyer gives you the BOR, you better be doing that. But sometimes you can't get it. Sometimes you just have to go through a quoting process. I talk about a lot of this stuff in my curriculum should you quote what shouldn't you quote if you can't get there's basically three things that I think you need to get I'm not going to focus on those right now talked about it before I'll probably talk about it again but I'm not talking about it today but I do teach people there are three things that you better get if you're going to go through a quoting process and if you don't get those expect my friend to lose expect to lose that's pain in the walls that's the first appointment very important you know what's crazy most insurance agents, they just kind of show up to the insurance buyer's place or location and they just kind of wing it. They're just playing chicken business, man. They don't, they don't really have like any kind of a plan here. They're just sort of winging it. They just show up and, you know, they're just talking and so forth. And then they kind of start getting around to insurance like, hey, you know what? Can you tell me why you decided to meet with me? Like really, is that is that the question you're going to ask the prospect? Why did you decide to meet with me? You don't have anything better to lead with than that. I would tell you you need to have something better to lead with that. Most say insurance agents do a terrible job in regards to the first appointment. Um, if just getting there and you know, making photocopies of deck pages is the goal, I think that's the wrong goal. I think that's the wrong goal. But once you're finished with the first appointment, then you have this, you have this block of time. This is like kind of no man's land. This is no man's land. This is I refer to this as the final walkthrough. Like when you're building a house, you like everything's kind of done. You haven't like processed the money yet, so the loan's not done. You're doing the final walkthrough. You know, fix that scratch, paint that little spot there. Like all, just a final walkthrough. It's this no man's land of time that you, after you meet with the insured for that first appointment or so, and then you finally get around to meeting with the insured for the the presentation. That time, what do you do during that time? So, for example, let's say you meet with the insured ninety days before they come up for renewal. And then you show up four days before the renewal with the quote. What do you do in those 86 days there? What what do you do? I refer to that as no man's land. Because I guarantee you, if most agents don't know how to do the third point, which is run the meeting, insurance agents have no clue what they're doing in no man's land. No clue. And I will have to be the first one to raise my hand. That says, back when I first started out as an insurance agent, I had no clue. Nobody taught me this kind of stuff. Just kind of had to figure it out. And this was like never an issue. But I would tell you, you are either gaining position or losing position during that no man's land, during the final walkthrough. All this time, what can you do to build the relationship? I would tell you, the first sub point here is you need to offer a test drive service. You need to offer to your prospects something so that they can test drive what it is that you're trying to offer to them. Give them access to some kind of short-term temporary service. That's a main thing. Then I also talk about the 2nd subpoint, which is your superior submission to the marketplace. If you're not developing and constructing a superior submission, then you're winging it. The underwriters don't want to see just sort of bare bones, accord apps, and loss runs. They want to actually see a true submission that tells them what exactly is this insured doing or not doing. They want to know that. A superior submission not only can get you a quote, sometimes underwriters won't quote if they don't have a good submission, but it can get you a quote when very often other agents couldn't get a quote. But a superior submission can actually even get you more credits. More credits. You might show up with a quote from insurance carrier A. And your quote is less premium. It's got a better rate than what insurance agent B might have been able to do. That's because you have a superior submission. The third point here of this sort of no man's land, the final walkthrough as we're doing our pre-proposal is the art of competitive dethronement. I will I teach my clients about certain things that you should do during this process to better your position, to get rid of the, the other agent. Even if you've gone through the quoting process, you can still get BORs. You can still even take over the other policies, even if the insured said no to you the first time or the second time. doesn't mean that they're not going to say yes after a little while. In fact, there's a lot of different things that you can do to strengthen your position in order to get it. But that's the final walkthrough. This is the pre-proposal section. This is step four, which leads us then into step five. This is getting the keys. This is your loan has funded, your realtor shows up and says, here are the keys. Basically, you win you finally get your prize. This is where we try to do everything we possibly can to transfer that prospect into a loyal commission paying client. This is the proposal. Get the keys. There are basically three things here that I also teach. There's others, but I just kind of lump them into three things. That is positioning for victory. When you're finally sitting down with the insured to go over your proposal, what are you doing? Please don't tell me you just have like one of those sort of auto-generated proposals that, you know, your AMS system or whatever it is you use spits out. If that's what you're using, man, you're missing out. Like you are, wow, you are missing out. I don't know what, when you open up your presentation, what's the first page? What does it say on the first page? I would tell you you better have a 12-month timeline of services in there. I would tell you you better start with those three things that I told you to get back in step three. If you're going to go through the quoting process, it better start with those three things. If you don't have it, you're just kind of like not in a very strong position here. But positioning for victory. When do you actually show up to go over your quotes with the insured? Are you going to be first in, last in? Are there other agents who are competing? How much time are you meeting with the insured beforehand? What kind of assurances have you gotten from the insured about sharing quotes, not sharing quotes, allowing you to renegotiate once you uh, show them which carriers and which quotes you have? Where are you at? Position, position, position. The 2nd subpoint here in the proposal is how to negotiate and when to renegotiate. How to negotiate, with the insured and your underwriters, and when should you renegotiate with the insured and the underwriters? You can shoot yourself in the foot if you're not very good at negotiation. But man, you can become very wealthy if you know how to negotiate and renegotiate. That's the second sub-point here. The third one, this is the beauty part. This is what really has to happen. This is what it all comes down to. Ask for the sale. Ask for the sale. How do you do that? Well, that's one of the things I teach. There's definitely good things that you can do and bad things that many agents do. You don't want to do the bad things. You want to do the good things. You want to be smart. You want to be wise. You want to position yourself to win. But you better get around to asking for the business. And <laughs> uh, It's amazing to me when I, like, I hear agents, like they go through their proposal and they're like, what do you think? That's not the right question to ask the insured at that moment. They don't know what to think. You're speaking an insurance language. They're speaking French. They don't understand you. Two completely different ideas. They don't know what to expect. You need to have this kind of stuff figured out before your meeting. You shouldn't be meeting with the insured if you don't know how this conversation is going to go. You should already know what your plan is, what your plan of attack is, your strategy. If you don't know what your strategy is going through this process, you're probably going to you know, miss out based upon even like where you're positioning yourself in the process of offering the quotes. If the incumbent agent hasn't given their quote yet, they're probably not going to want to make a decision. That's not a position I want to be in. I would tell you that's a weak position. You got to ask for the business though. You got to get around to it. And if you don't have a strategy for asking for the business in a very tactful way, you're probably going to miss out on a lot of new business. And so that's it, folks. These are the five main parts of my permission sales framework, which basically teaches insurance agents how to build a $1 million or more book of business. And I do it largely in part by broker of record letters. We do it through quoting, but we're always targeting the broker of record letter because you're always quoting. Even when you get the broker of record letter, you better quote. You got to quote. You got to quote with the incumbent. You got to quote with others. We're always quoting, but we're going broker of record letter first. We're going broker of record letter first. That's the focus. But building a million-dollar book of business is very similar to building a house. Step one, pre-prospecting, it's like laying the foundation. Step two, prospecting, it's build the structure. Step three, the first appointment, it's paint the walls. Step four, pre-proposal, it's the final walkthrough. Step five, proposal, get your keys. These are the things you have to do to build a $1 million book of business. But like I talked about at the very beginning, a lot of times insurance agents struggle with these. They're just not very good at some of these, and it hinders them from having success. Which parts in this whole process that I just talked about do you struggle with? Where do you find yourself missing, skipping, not actually hitting on all cylinders, leaving a lot of money on the table, not actually closing out the business, not hitting your goals? It's because you're missing areas in these five points or in these subpoints. You're stubbing your toes. You're not getting things done that you need to. I would tell you, you need some help. You need some help. Why? Because we all do. Nobody comes out of the womb being an expert insurance producer. We all have to learn. We have to learn by doing the work. We have to learn by getting counsel. We have to learn by getting training. We have to learn by simply just watching others to do to do it before us. There's a lot of different ways to learn. But I would tell you if you want to get around the curve, you better actually like take control of your career. Otherwise, you're reacting and not being proactive. People who are reactive, they write a little business, little business. Those who are proactive, write lots of business, big business. Which one are you? Which one are you? I'll leave that answer up to you guys. But I just want to say, I'm so happy that you're here. So happy that you listened. And my name is Charles Specht. I am the host of the Millionaire
1: Insurance Producer Podcast.